You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you here today. I want to welcome those of you watching online as well. My name is David. It's my privilege to be able to land the plane of the series that we began five weeks ago. So if you are brand new today here in the room or you're watching online, you're brand new, this is part five of the coming kingdom. And uh, back in September, we launched our yearly theme, Kingdom Come, and we've been inviting you to pray with us as we have been praying these last several weeks May your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So in the first series, we talked about the kingdom come, the fact that when Jesus came, that was his primary message. And then in this series, we're unpacking the idea that we live in the kingdom now, but there is also a coming kingdom, the future kingdom that includes the new heavens and the new earth. And so today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, if you need some paper Bibles, they're in the seats below you there. And obviously, as Bridget mentioned, there are the app notes that you can follow along with today. Before I begin the message, though, I want us to pray. I want to invite you to join me in praying for our nation, for the leadership of our nation. This has been a very tumultuous season, a very difficult season for so many, and we find ourselves as a United States of America not so united. And so I want to pray according to the will of God, the heart of God, a prayer that I've been praying since Tuesday before I even knew what the results of the election would be. So online, I want to enjoy and invite you to pray with us as well. Would you just bow your hearts and just want to begin today and this time together with this. Heavenly Father, Your word teaches us that as your followers, we are aliens and we are strangers in this world. And though we are not of this world, we live in this world as citizens of heaven. You taught us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. So that's the desire of our hearts today as we boldly approach your throne to find grace and mercy in our time of need. Lord, you've instructed us as your family, the family of God, to pray for our leaders. So we do just that. We ask you to give them wisdom, guidance, and a pure heart that follows hard after you. Grant them, Lord, and their families good health, safety, and protection. Lord, may their decisions reflect the concern that you have for those who are under-resourced, undervalued, and often overlooked. Lord, would you cultivate within them a spirit of humility and may the character of their leadership be marked by faithful service, a dedicated work ethic, financial integrity, and responsibility. Help them, Heavenly Father, to seek wise and godly counsel. Lord, would you raise up followers, your followers, at every level of leadership in our country. Men and women like Joseph, Nehemiah, Daniel, and Esther. And Lord, for those who are leading, if they have never acknowledged their need for you, Jesus, if they've never confessed their sin, they've never repented of it, if they've never sought forgiveness, or if they've never yet found you and begun to follow you, we pray that they will experience this at a profoundly personal level. We pray that for our nation today. Grant them the courage needed 
to lead our nation at all levels of government with conviction and compassion. Please, Jesus, heal the brokenness and the division of our country. Unify our nation and use your church, us, to lead the way in modeling love, peace, a spirit of cooperation that's patient and use, Father, the sustaining grace that you give us to honor one another and work towards civility. Use us, use us as a church, Big C Global Church and Riverside here locally, regionally, and yes, even internationally to fill in the gaps where government falls short. Stir up within us an anticipation that this life isn't all that there is. Our hope, Jesus, isn't in political answers. It's in you. Not someone, not anyone who sits in an Oval Office, but you who sits on your eternal throne in the glory and in the splendor of heaven. You are our king, and your kingdom isn't of this world. So Father, I pray for spiritual revival and renewal. Begin within me. Begin within us. May we rest in the capable, strong arms of our great shepherd who is the resurrection and the life. To you, Heavenly Father, be all glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you guys for letting me do that and for all of you online. I just felt very led that today we need to be praying. I mean, this isn't the end of prayer. This is what we do as people. We pray, we seek God's help, we seek his guidance, and we seek to be his representatives in this world. So as we wrap up this series, The Coming Kingdom, we've been defining the kingdom, you'll see it there in your notes, as the reality of God's rule and relationship. And this specific series has really been focused in on Revelation 11, verse 15. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord, and he will reign forever and ever. And as we talk about that text in Revelation 11 and throughout the letter or the, the document, the first century document that we've now known as Revelation, that was written by the Apostle John, who was one of Jesus' closest followers, who had been uh, exiled to the island of Patmos. He had been, according to history, he had been placed in a cauldron of oil and tried to be boiled alive by the emperor Domitian for his faith in Jesus, and he survived. And it freaked the emperor out, and when that happens, you don't know what to do with this person. I tried to kill him. They don't seem to die, so let's send him to Patmos, which was this exiled island. And while he's there, with the knowledge that he's lost all of his closest friends, Peter and James, Andrew, all of the ones that had followed Jesus so closely, they've all been martyred by now. And he's an old man, and Jesus appears to him by the power of the Holy Spirit. He sees these revelations, these dreams, and he begins to get a picture of the future kingdom, and he writes it all down. It's a lot of coded language that we don't even fully get, and it's hard to grasp and understand. Who's been confused before by the book of Revelation? Anybody besides me? If I could stand up here and tell you I had all the answers, you'd know I was lying because nobody has all the answers to this thing. But as we begin our time together this morning, I want to invite you to just picture 
your ideal world? What does your ideal world look like? I want to invite you to think about that today, both here and, and online. What is the image, if you were to picture what your ideal world looked like, how would you describe it? A couple of years ago, I was uh, reading my Daily Bread devotional, and I came across uh, in the devotional, it was on um, July 14th, it's there in your notes, back in 2018, and a young girl by the name of Katie was asked to do an assignment in school. She was asked to write an essay entitled, My Perfect World. And here's what her description was, which I would love for it to all be true, wouldn't you? Here's what it says. She wrote, in my perfect world, ice cream is free. I mean, who wouldn't want that? In my perfect world, ice cream would also be calorie free and taste awesome all at the same time. Lollipops are everywhere, and the sky is blue all the time with only a few clouds that have interesting shapes. Obviously, this is not in Pittsburgh, right? The sky is blue all the time, right? Then her essay takes a more serious turn. In that world, she continued, no one will come home to bad news, and no one will have to be the one to deliver it. And I remember reading that, and I jotted it down in my notes when I was in Revelation 21 and 22, and I just thought, wow, think about the bad news moments over the course of your life. Those times when there's pain and loss, when there's difficulty, failure, disappointment, brokenness, betrayal, illness, and ultimately, death. All of those bad news Moments And think about the times that you've been the recipient of the bad news. I look back over the course of my life and just thought of moments that just stick out to you, things that like etch you in your heart, you know, when you have those moments. I remember junior high in my art class, and there is nothing creative when it comes to art within me. I was not in that line when God was passing out creativity. Who's with me? Okay? And my teacher said, David, unless you get an A on this assignment, you're going to get a D. And I thought, dear God, I, God will hate me if I get a D. So that bad news moment. Then a little bit later on, I'm in my sophomore year of high school. And I had been dating this young lady for a few months. Interestingly enough, she had been dating my best friend a few months before I started dating her and they had broken up. You might be able to hear the train coming. I take her after the homecoming game where I'm the starting varsity player. I take her to the, game, to the dance afterwards and there's nothing within me either that can dance. But I just stood there and did this. This was the extent of my dancing right here. If you've always wondered what does it look like, this is it. You live right here, David, right here. We're on the dance floor and she says, I can't do this anymore. I'm still in love with my best friend. Bad news day, right? Come on, online, give me some love. Oh, yes. What do we know of love in our sophomore year anyway? But anyway, then I thought of all the times when my mom and my dad would pull us aside. And about every four years as Methodist pastors, we would move. And I would get that piece of news and say, hey, guess what? You've just formed all the friendships. You've just made all the relationships. Guess what? We're moving. Some of them ended up being really good. Some of them ended up being more difficult. But those were, for me as a young boy and as a young teenager, were, were bad news moments. The recipient of those, I remember the day that my mom called me. And Pastor Bill and I were out in Carlisle at an event. 
was sitting in the parking lot at Walmart. Mom says, I've got cancer. And then we went through the chemo treatments and things maybe looked like they might be a little bit better. And then the news, the cancer's back. And then we're going to hospice. So the truth is, is when you think about all the bad news moments in your life, and you may have a ton more than I could even describe from my own life, we know that as Katie described there, the reality is our world hasn't been lollipops and blue skies since Genesis chapter 3. We're in a fallen, broken world, and it's not as it originally intended to be. And then there are the moments, not only when you're the recipient of the bad news, but when you're the deliverer of the bad news. And I can't tell you for sure which one is worse. As a parent, when I walked home, walked in the door, my sister and the kids were there. We'd been back and forth with hospice, and I walked in, and I looked in my kids' eyes, and I said, Grandma has gone to be with the Lord. I think I'll take being the recipient of the bad news over giving the bad news any day. And then, several years later, my daughter had a little dachshund named Lily, and it got injured, and we had to put it down. And I couldn't understand. I'll be honest. Can I just be transparent here? I've been pastoring for 25 years, and I have walked through many situations where Riversiders from both campuses have just been in tears over the loss of a pet, and I never could quite fully get a hold of it, but I get it now. Looking your daughter in the eyes as a young girl and telling her that you've got to put down her dog because it's not going to survive. That difficult, hard news. Bad news is just all over the place. And John is living in a world where an emperor is supreme and he's exiled on an island. But bad news is not all that there is. There's also good news, right? There's the good news of when you come and say, I'm engaged. There's going to be a wedding. Yes. Or, hey, we're pregnant. Can you do a baby dedication? And there's the good news moments like that. There's the good news moments when you come and you say, Pastor, I would love to give my life to Jesus. That'll make me ball every time. And then we get to see you get baptized. And then the good news moments when you say, hey, I want to put God first in serving. And I want to be a part of what God's doing to build his kingdom. And I want to invest in the eternal things. Those are good news moments. There's good news moments when you decide to become a follower of Jesus and then you transfer that, you disciple someone else. That's a good news moment. There's good news moments when you get the promotion, when you say, hey, I get generosity and I want to invest in God's kingdom, so I want to be a part of that. Those are all the kinds of good news moments. And it's my privilege today, along with the Apostle John, to not just give you good news, but to give you the absolute best news that there is. And it is the title of our message today, we have the hope of heaven. That is the best news I know how to give you today. And John certainly extended that to us through his text. And when we talk about the hope of heaven, it's a confident assurance. It's not just we kind of hope out there like, you know, you hope it's going to be nice weather six weeks from now. We have no confident assurance of that, right? Although we're shocked today that it's going to be in the 70s, praise God in heaven take it as long as we can. Messes with my desire to play Christmas music right now, but I'll, I'll get past that. And I have to tell you that the verses that we're going to study today have offered comfort 
and have offered hope and have offered assurance to thousands of Jesus followers for 2,000 years. And these verses comforted my mother and myself and have comforted so many of you who have lost loved ones over the years. And they can be of great comfort for us today. Revelation 21, beginning in verse one, this is what John sees. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Don't miss that word new. A new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I saw a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Don't miss that. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. The hope of heaven offers us a new depth of the withness of God. Prior to these descriptions, if you go all the way back into the Hebrew scriptures, you see people like Moses, like Elijah. They have these interactions with God and they say, we really want to see you. And God says, you can't see me. You can only see the backside of me because if you were to see me face to face, you would die otherwise. But Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to be with us as the counselor who is beside us. He is alongside you in whatever it is that you're facing today, but it is just a glimpse of what it will be in the new heaven and the new earth and in the new Jerusalem. Jesus also promised in Matthew 28, he said to his disciples, and it echoes in our hearts today, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In this new reality that we're going to be experiencing, we'll experience our Heavenly Father as we were created to experience Him. Face to face, at peace with our Creator, Creator and creation, at peace, free from guilt and shame and sin and failure and worry and insecurity and condemnation and labels and hallelujah elections. No longer in hiding. Get this, no longer in hiding. Fully loved and fully known. That's gonna be the new heaven, the new earth. John continues, and, and let this sink in. Verse four, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be, I love this, no more. We're gonna talk about that. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. The hope of heaven, when I read those verses, reminds me, invites me, offers me, and you the absence of hell on earth and hell for all eternity. The truth is that this life is hard. And if you've bought into a version of Christianity that says it's easy, think again, because Jesus promised us that this life 
would be hard. But he also reassured his followers then and us today that he'd overcome the work of the devil, of the demonic forces, and all that hell itself could offer. And once we settle the issue of eternity now, we can truly live for his kingdom and in his kingdom every day now with our lives. Now, you get to that part where it says there will be no more. It's been referred to as heaven's no mores. No more tears, no more loss, no more emptiness, no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. And might I add, no more wrestling with the kingdoms of this world. No more hatred, violence, politics, racism, sexism, no more adultery, no more infidelity, no more human trafficking, no more discouragement, no more depression, no more suicide, no more goodbyes, no more growing old, can I get an amen, no more um, division, no more darkness, no more murder, no more natural disasters or cancer or disease, it'll all be gone. And you know, just with a little smile on my face. Can I just, I, I read those heavens no mores, and I want you to notice who's going to be out of a job in heaven. I made a list real quickly. When the, when the kingdom, when the fully coming kingdom is realized, there will be no more medical professionals. Nobody's gonna be sick, out of a job. No more law enforcement. No more first responders, no more government officials, and let's be honest, no more pastors. That job is clearly taken <laughs> when you get to heaven. So then you get to that part where John records Jesus' words. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That verse, for the very first time, hit me like it had never hit me before. 16 years ago. 16 years ago, if you've never seen it and you've got the stomach to watch it, I encourage you to check out The Passion of the Christ. And the moment between the scourging, this is Mel Gibson's uh, vision of the story of The Passion of the Christ, and Jim Caviezel plays the part of Jesus. And there was a moment between the scourging of Jesus, which is so brutal to watch, from that moment, he carries his cross all the way to Mount Calvary. And on the way there, there's a moment where it's envisioned that Jesus has a quick interchange. We don't have recorded in scripture that this happens, but it's creative license. He's on his way to the cross. He's carrying the cross, and he falls under the weight of it, and his mother Mary is right there. And I remember sitting in this Oaks Theater back when it was the Oaks 16 years ago, all of us pastors were seated there together. And I've been crying throughout the, the, um, the whole movie because I just felt the weight of my own sin and my own shame and my own guilt and what I'd done to my Savior. And then in the moment, Mel manages to pull this verse in Revelation out and he slaps it right into that moment. And Jim Caviezel looks at his mother and he says, Behold, mother, I make all things new. And you'll see the image, and I wanted to show you the actual video clip, but
but I was just afraid it might be too hard for some of you to watch, and if you've got little ones watching at home, I've included the link to that specific scene in your notes that you can click and watch if you'd like to do that on your own. But at the cross, Jesus completed the work, and he made the final payment to redeem us. The curse will be lifted, and it will be removed, and that reality is echoed and boldly proclaimed in our text today. Look at it in verse six. He said to me, it is done. It is finished, he would cry from the cross. Now he says, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life. And then notice this. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. The hope of heaven offers us a victorious inheritance. All of the impure, shameful, deceitful ways of the kingdoms of this world, as well as our personal trials, and temptations and the tribulations are exchanged for life abundant, for full satisfaction, for laughter, for dancing. I'll no longer just do this. I'll be able to actually dance. I'm told, I believe, and I won't be embarrassed. There will be peace and unity and joy and kindness and gentleness and a love like we can't fully comprehend on this side of eternity. And you know, can I just be really, really transparent with you? I read texts like this and I get a little jealous of those who have gone before us who are in Christ. I get a little jealous that they didn't have to vote this year. I get a little jealous that they haven't had to wear a mask these last several months. I get a little jealous that all of that is beyond and behind them. And it becomes so small in light of eternity. The present momentary difficulties and hardships that we face now are going to seem so tiny in light of eternity, in light of the power and in the presence of our God Almighty. So do you have the hope of heaven? I said we have the hope of heaven because we all have that opportunity to have that hope. But if you've banked on church attendance or being a good person or your best efforts, then may I submit to you that perhaps there's something more for you to consider so that you have an assurance that you know, that you know, that you know that you have the hope of heaven. And for those who, who undoubtedly, unquestionably, you know that you've experienced what I'm talking about. You say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm all in then I gotta ask us today, who is it that needs us to offer them the hope of heaven? Your family, your friends, the people that you live on the street with, your coworkers, your teachers, your teammates, your doctor, a government official that you're interacting with right now, who is it 
that needs you and I to offer them the hope of heaven. And perhaps, again, if you need the hope of heaven, how, how do you experience that? How do you know that you have? How do you know that you know that you know you've got the assurance of the hope of heaven? Well, the Apostle Paul, who was a person who did not follow Jesus, at first was transformed and became a follower. And this is how he describes that great exchange that I was just referring to. It's a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth, and this is what he said there to those folks. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, we've got to be in Christ. The new creation has come. Who lives in the new Jerusalem, on the new earth, surrounded by the new heavens, new creation people. That's how Paul would describe it. The old has gone, the new is here. And I can't make you a new creation, you can't make you a new creation. Only the Holy Spirit's power exchanging your old nature, your broken nature, your sinful nature and mine into a new creation, that's how you and I have the hope of heaven. Nothing more, nothing less. So please, don't delay. Jesus could return at any moment. And when he does, will it be good news or will it be bad news for you and for those that God wants to use you to offer them the hope of heaven? Here's what I can tell you, here in the the room and watching online. Those who have gone on before us, whether they were followers of Jesus or not, this is a true statement, they would plead with you and I to trust Christ, to look to him and put our hope in him, not in our church attendance, not in being the best person we can possibly be, not in our best efforts or being a good person, but trusting in, hoping in Jesus and what he did at the cross for us, what he did in the resurrection to offer us the hope of heaven. The final verses, Revelation 22 there, those last few verses of the scriptures, this is Jesus' words. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to, to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus says, I am coming soon. Will we be ready? Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Those of you watching online, I want to invite you to join us in praying. And I just want to ask you, who among us would say, I'm not ready? And you want me to remember you in my prayer. I'm about to pray. In fact, I'm gonna guide you in a prayer. Just with a slip up of your hand. Say, I'm not sure I'm ready. I'm not sure I have the hope of heaven. Yep, I see that hand. Who else? Yep, I see that hand. I see that hand, yep. Online, I wanna invite you to think about this. Are you ready? You're not sure that you truly have the hope of heaven. This isn't just about saying some magic formula of words. This is you dying spiritually dying and Jesus living in you and Jesus living through you. 
It's life change and it's total transformation. You will never be the same again. You'll be better as a result of trusting Jesus. So I'm gonna invite you, if you raised your hand, if you're seated there at home, you're listening throughout the week on the podcast, I wanna invite you to just pray with me. Jesus, in your own words, but something along this line. Jesus, I wanna exchange my old self, my old nature, for your new nature, living in me. I'm asking to be in you. I know that I'm not worthy, and by myself, I have no hope of living in the kingdom now or experiencing the new heavens and the new earth. I'm lost without you. And I'm asking you to forgive me for my part in the brokenness of this world. I receive your life, Jesus, and I will follow your ways. Remove the old and transform me into the new creation I was made to be. I'm embracing your kingdom and your will for my life, and I commit to helping others find you and follow you, Jesus. Thank you for promising that you'll be with me now and forevermore. Now for all of us that would have said, yeah, absolutely, I know that I have the hope of heaven. For those of you who are followers, if we take this seriously, it must compel us to live in such a way that others have the opportunity to hear about the kingdom now and the kingdom to come that offers us the hope of heaven in all its splendor and in all its majesty. So I want to pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the hope of heaven. Thank you for the witness we experience now through your Holy Spirit and will someday more fully. Thank you for the confident assurance that one day all of the wrongs will be put to right and for the promise of victory and the reality of life everlasting lived in love. What a joy awaits us, Lord. May we never forget these truths we've considered today and may they sustain us as we live together in your kingdom now. We echo the prayer the end of the book of Revelation. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. We pray it in your powerful name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org